And now we turn to God's Word, and Nicole Aronson is going to read that word for us this morning. Our scripture reading this morning comes from 1 John 4, verses 7 through 21. This can be found on page 1902 in your pew Bibles. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent us his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, Love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says... I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. The word of the Lord. You might know the great French philosopher René Descartes. Even if you don't know him, you might have heard of his famous adage, which goes something like this, I think, therefore I am. It's everywhere in our world today. It shows up in things like Billie Eilish's song, Therefore I Am, or the British version of The Office or the movie Blade Runner. There's even a joke about it. Descartes goes to a bar and has way too many drinks. The bartender sees that he's drunk, so he says to him, Sir, I think you've had enough. Descartes slurs his response and says, I think not. Then he disappears. <laughs> Unfortunately, Descartes would not find this joke funny, nor would he approve of how his adage is being used in today's pop culture. Most people think that his point was that thinking is the necessary causation or 
necessary condition for existing. But that's not what Descartes meant at all. When he was saying those words, he was wrestling with skepticism. His question was, how can I be sure about anything? So he turned to himself and asked, how can I know for sure that I truly exist? And his conclusion was that his skeptical thought about his own existence was enough to prove that he truly existed because thought cannot exist without a thinker. For Descartes, thinking was a sufficient condition, not a necessary condition for existing. All right, I think I lost like half of you already. Um, so let me give you a different example. Uh, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou Romeo? This, of course, is a famous line from the, Rome, the play Romeo and Juliet by Shakespeare. You might have seen in amateur production um, Juliet having her, bra, her hand on her bra and looking around for Romeo from her balcony. But the word wherefore does not mean where, but why. So her, she's not supposed to be looking around for Romeo, but delighting in the fact that Romeo is willing to abandon his family just to pursue her. Her question isn't, where are you, Romeo, but why are you, Romeo? Why are you willing to risk losing your family just to pursue me? My point is that when we don't have proper context, like Descartes' philosophical question, or proper definition, like the definition of wherefore, it's easy for us to misunderstand things. And we do this quite often with the Bible. Because we lack proper context or definition, we often misunderstand famous passages, famous verses, and even fundamental concepts in the Bible. And unfortunately, love is one of those frequently misunderstood biblical concepts. I'm not insinuating that you and I have completely misunderstood love so far. But since love is a huge concept, it's such a fundamental concept in our belief it's helpful. It would be helpful for us. It would be um, beneficial for us and worthwhile uh, to take some time and reinforce our understanding of biblical love because, after all, love is a Christian virtue. But I have to admit, love is a massive, massive concept. So there's no way that I will cover everything this morning. So what I'm hoping to do is just to talk about one little aspect of Christian love. And there's no better way to do that than to go back to God because, according to John, God is the source of, of all love. We often say that Christianity is a religion of love, right? That notion derives from uh, the famous passage that we just read, God is love, right? The Johannian scholar Gary Birch points out that John does not say God is loving, although that is true. Here, John says God is love, period. Love is the essence of his being. He forgives in love and he judges in love. Everything that he does is done in love and flows out of his love. But what does that love look like? What is love? John is answering that question, but let me give you a little spoiler alert. The answer is not, baby, don't hurt me. Instead, John points to the cross and incarnation of Jesus Christ and says, here it is. This is love. 
God initiated his love for us by sending his one and only son into the world. And eventually that love, the essence of his being, was fully displayed on the cross where Jesus, God the Son, who himself was love, became the atoning sacrifice for our sins so that we might live through him. So when John says God is love, he has a specific way of love in his mind. This love is sacrificial and selfless, and this love was perfectly lived out in the person of Jesus Christ. This is love, and this love describes the essence of God's being. Of course, the New Testament word for this way of love is agape. When Jesus says in John 13, love one another as I have loved you, he's saying love with the same kind of selfless, sacrificial, agape love. And John echoes that in our scripture reading, 4.11, 1 John 4.11, where he says, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. For most of us, when we hear that phrase, God so loved, our minds go ding, 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 John 3.16, right? It's arguably the single best known verse in all of the Bible. But as famous and ubiquitous as John 3.16 may be, it is also just as misunderstood. Most Christians, or many Christians, I should say, think that John 3.16 says, God sent his one and only son into the world because he loves the world so much. Although that is true, although indeed God loves the world so much, that's not what John 3.16 is saying. We have a bit of a um, wherefore art thou situation here. The word so in God so loved does not mean so much, but in this way. Therefore, God so loved does not mean that God loved us so much and sent his one and only son into the world, but no, God loved us in a particular way. And what is that way? You know how the rest of the verse goes. He gave his one and only son so that whoever, might believe, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That is the way. Likewise, in John, 1 John 4, 11, when John says, God so loved us, he does not mean that God loves us so much, although that is true. He's saying that God loved us in a particular way. So here we have a bit of a, I think, therefore I am situation, because God's agape love is not so much about how much he loves, but it is about how he loves in other words, John's point here is that since God so loved us, since God loved us in this particular way, we also, in the same way, love one another. And this brings up an important point about the Christian virtue of love. The Christian virtue of love, more than anything, even more than how much we love or who we love, is about how we love. How we love matters. It's all about imitating the love of God and loving as he has loved us. And if you've been a Christian, though, none of this is new, right? Selfless, sacrificial love, that sounds great, right? Two thumbs up, hit that like button. Yay to agape love. But let's go back to verse 10 in our scripture reading. 
I love how Nicole emphasized that verse. She said, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his one and only son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Paul says the same thing in Romans 5.8. He says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. This is love. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still in our rebellion, rejecting God, opposing God, not showing an ounce of love for God, he loved us. He initiated his love for those who did not deserve his love. Now we as Christians are called to apply the same principle to our love for others. That means we have to initiate our sacrificial, selfless love for those who do not deserve our love those who hate us, those who reject us, those who do not respect us, those who are nasty to us. In Luke 6, 27, Jesus says, love your enemies. Then a few verses later, he says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. The Christian virtue of love It's not that they love us, but we love them because that's how God loved us. For me, loving those who do not deserve our love is probably the most challenging aspect of this agape love. And since we have the Thanksgiving coming up and the holiday season, some of you might be thinking, "Ah, that person's coming to my house. But it is also the aspect that separates the agape love from the rest of the love in the world today. I mean, when we think about it, our world is enamored with love. Politicians talk about how we need to replace hate with love, right? Other religions talk about love as a virtue. People talk about how this world needs more love. And John Lennon, even even after his death, still sings, all you need is love. But that's not agape love, is it? The world teaches us that we need to love the things that make us happy, bring us joy, and satisfy our passions. Love in the world starts and ends with the self. People in the world love because of their self-interest. So John says, no, 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 no. Christians are called to a different type of love, agape love. Our love is not for ourselves, but for others. Look at verses 9 and 10. God's love was for others. It was for us. God loved so that we might live through him. The Father sent his Son in love for our sake. The Son died on the cross in love for our sake. And now we love others for their sake, because that's how God loved us. Since God so agape us, since God loved us in this way, we also ought to love one another in the same way. God has set the bar very, very, very high. It's a challenging task. Agape is not easy. But when we put too much emphasis 
on the task at hand, it can sap the joy out of loving. So it's important that we remember that we are called to love because God first loved us. In this letter, John, 1 John, John repeatedly calls Christians dear friends, and we heard that twice in our scripture reading. At least that's how it's translated in the NIV. The, word, the Greek word here is agapetoi, and agapetoi sounds a lot like agape because agapetoi means beloved ones. John wrote this letter to God's beloved ones, those who have experienced the true agape of God through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. When we love others as God has loved us, our agape reflects our own reality, that God first loved us and he continues to love us with this sacrificial and selfless agape. In other words, the Christian virtue of love is the mirror image of God's love for us. And this perspective enables us to see the virtue of love in a different light. As a starter, when we love others, uh, when when we love others with this sacrificial, selfless love, we can see that our love for others expresses our gratitude for God's love. We love because God first loved us. We love others because we are grateful for the love that we, ha- we have already received. And since our love for others expresses our gratitude, it also shows our love for God. And that's what John says in verses 20 and 21. Whoever loves God must love God others. Jesus says the same thing in Matthew 25, 40. Whatever you did for one of the least of these, you did for me. You and I both know that some of the best quotes in the world are found on bumper stickers. So let me share with you one of the things that I read um, years ago. It said, when we love God most, we love others best. Our love for others is how we show our love for God. The expressions of our gratitude for God's love and our love for God are both possible because God loved us first. That means our love for others points to God's initial love on the cross. It paints the complete picture of God's love in Jesus Christ, the man on the cross who died for those who killed him. The man on the cross who served those who rejected him. The man on the cross who loved those who did not deserve his love. When we love as God has loved us, we offer a glimpse of who he truly is because God is love. And that's what John is talking about in verse 12. No one, ever, no one has ever seen God, but because our love comes from God and is inspired by God, in the way we love, God becomes a tangible reality. Likewise, in verse 17, when John says we are like Jesus in this world, world he does not mean that our love makes us divine, but that in the way we love, we represent Jesus Christ. In 2008, several British atheist societies combined their resources to uh, put an ad on those famous red buses in London. The ad read, there probably is no God, so stop worrying and enjoy life. 
the British scholar, biblical scholar Christopher Wright reflects on this ad campaign and how Christians should have been the proof that the ad was incorrect. He says, there are many Christians in London. So in theory, a non-Christian reading that ad should have been able to say, that cannot be true. Because I know some Christians and God is real and he clearly lives in them. Our agape love is supposed to be the living proof of the living God. No one can see God, but people can see us. And when we love as God has loved us, people can sense the real presence of God in the way we love. How we love matters. Earlier today, we witnessed these three young women professing their faith. They have publicly declared that they have encountered God who is love, and his perfect love in Jesus Christ has changed their lives forever. If you have your form with you, I invite you to revisit the last question that they answered. It reads, Do you intend to be Christ's faithful disciple, trusting his promises, obeying his word, honoring his church, and showing his love, showing his agape as long as you live? Addison, Emily, and Haley all said yes to that question. They agreed to show the love of God as long as they live so that their non-believing friends might look at the way they love and sense that God is real and lives in them. But their answer wasn't grounded on their own ability to replicate that love. No, their yes was grounded on their own faith. The reality that God loved them first with a sacrificial, selfless love. They can love because God loved them first. Their love comes from God and is inspired by God. And that is also our faith. As a body of believers, we say that there is one faith. That means as God loved these three young women, God loved us in the same way. Selflessly and sacrificially. And since God so loved us, we also, in the same way, ought to love as long as we live. And all God's people said, Amen. We're going to have a time of reflection. We're going to show you a couple of verses And I invite you to take some time to reflect on the message that you just heard, how we ought to love one another and what that means in terms of how we spread the good news of Jesus Christ.
Set your seal upon my heart 